In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Last year, um, on this Sunday, we were at our old location at Forbes Road, praying in the parking lot. We had opened up the, the, the door, the big door that was in front of the altar, and we flipped ourselves around so that everybody was standing, sitting outside under tents, and we were inside. And last year, um, as depressing as it was, uh, last year I, I listened to the sermon again, and uh, I remember how much I personally in my heart wanted to kill the year 2020 and to bury it and to start a new year. And that was this time last year. And last year I spoke to you about how we in the church can also kill the workers that are coming to work in the fields. And despite all that has gone on in this last year, I do have hope and I see a better future. Last year, at this time also as well, we purchased that land that was over there. So in our difficulties, God was gracious enough to, get, to give us hope and allow us to see our future. But we're not quite there yet. Things seem to be falling into place, but in this last Coptic month of the year, uh, the Coptic month of Misra, it's the full month and then we have a small month afterwards, but in this last full month, we enter into full examination mode, where we examine ourselves. In this month, towards the end of this month, we will turn our eyes towards the second coming of Christ and read about those accounts. Of course, for us Christians, the second coming is a glorious event that all of us are eagerly waiting for. We neither fear it nor wish God to delay it. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the age to come. Amen. Amen. It's like, can I get an amen? <laughs> the coming of Christ is manifest in this parable of today, taken from Luke chapter 20, which our Savior began this parable hundreds, if not more, years before he actually spoke to them about this, because in Isaiah he spoke about Israel being his vineyard. And when, the, when Christ comes, it will be a day of reckoning for all of us. Christ will come and He will ask us, where is the fruit? What have you done with what I have given you? Let me be specific though. This isn't about Him giving you privilege or Him giving you opportunity. This isn't about doing the best with your education or getting a job. This isn't about success according to Southern California standards. This is, for us, we speak about the church, and we speak, we can speak about the Coptic Orthodox Church generally, or we can speak about St. John Chrysostom Parish specifically, as you like, it's up to you, but we need to examine ourselves. All of you belong to the church, be it the Coptic Church or St. John specifically. And by belonging to the church, 
you are committed to working for the church. You are committed to the work of the church. You are committed to her survival. You are committed to her mandate, which was given to her by Christ. Or are we here just to uh, freeload as the word goes? Am I here because I have nothing else to do? Or am I here because I've been forced to come? That also needs to be part of our examination. If I am committed to the work of Christ in the church, I have to ask myself, what is the work of the church? And what is my role in this work? Since the very beginning, the sole purpose and goal of the church as an organization, as an institution, is to evangelize. Christ came not just to give us salvation and to take off, but Christ came and He spoke to us and He gave us good news. That is the gospel. That is what we call the Evangelion, the good news. He gave it to the world. And in giving it to the world, He gives it to His apostles and He establishes the church and the apostles go off and they gave this good news to the world and they pulled people into the church. The church was always essential from the very beginning. The vineyard has been planted to produce fruit and the church has opened her doors to receive anyone and everyone who is eager to hear the good news of the gospel. Now you might be here because your parents brought you up in this church but I strongly encourage you to quickly change your mindset and to say that I'm here because I have heard the good news and I want this good news to take root within me and I want to be part of this church which is calling others to this good news. This word gospel that we use or this word evangelion or this word, uh, if we just say good news or glad tidings, this good news is, is, think about good news in your life, like somebody's graduating or you, you get a raise at work or you win something for free. Um, but more, it's more than just this type of good news. It's more and it has more everlasting consequences. Christ has given us a new life. Imagine living in this life, in this world, in this day and in this age Imagine living with zero hope that anything is ever going to get better. Is there any reason why people are depressed then? Can we blame them for being depressed? Can we blame people who think that nothing is going to come of this life and they, they, they follow these, uh, what, what's called nihilism, this, this idea of just nothing matters, nothing is great, nothing... And, and in the end, they, they, they do crazy things like go and shoot people in schools and, and do other crazy things and then shoot themselves in the end. And it's because they lack this good news. But Christ has given us a new life, number one. And He's reconciled us with God, which is, was the anxiety of all of humanity for, for thousands of years. He came and He defeated sin and the sting of sin and He defeated death. We are no longer bound by death. We are no longer enslaved by death. 
we no longer worry about death. Death can do nothing to us. Christ has taught us how to live truly joyful lives filled with peace and love. Of course, He taught us that while the things of this life are holy, what we do, what we see, I never want to say that this world and this, what's in this world is completely, utterly evil. We see a lot of good and we, see, we receive a lot of joy from people that we meet and from places that we go and we visit. This, this world was created good and God created everything in it. But while the things of life might be holy and can be used in our lives to glorify God, our real treasure has to lie in heaven, in the life to come. When we put our treasure in, the, in heaven, we are content in this life. I'll say it again. When we put our treasure and our goal and our direction in the kingdom of heaven, we will be content in this life. But if we seek the treasures of this life, we will never be content. And we will lack this contentment and it will create within us anxiety. And we will, the very worst, jeopardize our treasure which is in heaven. Now the good news that Christ came and gave to us in this church and has deposited in this church and has given this church in order for us to spread it to others, this good news changed society change the world. You know, like when we talk about change, we say like, oh, electricity changed the world. Industrial revolution changed the world. Way before that, the gospel changed the world. And this good news set generations on fire. And they went out and they served this gospel. They lived by it. They obeyed it. They offered it to others. And ultimately, they changed, they changed the entire fabric of society. I mean, if anyone has ever studied ancient Rome or ancient Greece, and what kind of a society that was, it was equal, if not worse, than what we are living like in this day and age. And they were able to change that society. Where is the power of the gospel today? If we believe it, and if we live by it, and if we obey it, how are we sharing it with others? Why do we fear bringing people to church? Why, do we, why are we scared to invite others to come here? Why are we worried about bringing co-workers and neighbors? Do we not realize that Christ is present? And that the power of the Word of God and of the good news of the Gospel is here? Are we not in some way serving as gatekeepers to the Lord? Gatekeepers like these vine dressers were gatekeepers. They were neither allowing the workers of the Lord to come in nor for the Master to receive the fruit of His, of his vineyard. St. Paul asks that question very simply, although he's speaking about it in slightly a different way. He says, who plants a vineyard and does not eat of its fruit? God has planted a vineyard. God is expecting of this fruit. And where is our fruit? What do we have to offer God? What have we accomplished? Do I understand or do we understand the good news 
And have we allowed it to produce fruit within us? Is it good news for us? Or is it just news? Is it just another thing to think about? When we have time, when we're not thinking about other things of this world? If I understand that this is to bring fruit within me, the first fruit that comes is repentance. And I ask, have I offered repentance to God? Have I encouraged others to repent, to go to confession? I'll never forget um, Pope Shenouda, blessed memory, went and visited a church. And the church was asked to kind of give a report. And the head of the service starts speaking about all the children and all the servants and all the the activities, and His Holiness asks, how many did you bring to repentance in this year? Because this is the first fruit of our labors. It is not that we build glorious churches or that we have tons of activities and that everyone is busy doing something. Where is our fruit? Have I introduced Christ to others ever in my life? It is said, or it has been said, that modern man listens more willingly to witnesses more than to teachers. And if he does listen to a teacher, it is because that teacher is a witness. And for us, it is not difficult to witness through our actions, because even if I am the worst of sinners, if I am the person that is doing the worst, so to speak, in comparison to what the gospel is demanding, I can witness through my life of repentance, through my life of change, through my life of striving to live according to that gospel. And the most powerful witness that I can make today is for me to read, to understand, to accept the gospel, the good news, and what it is asking of me to do. And the most powerful witness I can make today is to actively work for whatever is good and noble and lovely and pure and holy, I do this actively. The most powerful witness I can make today is not to follow the current values of society, but to go beyond those current values. Remember the Beatitudes? Remember what our Savior taught us? Our Savior taught us how to live a life of blessedness, of happiness, of joy. He taught us this by saying, don't go by what the world is teaching you to do. I'll tell you who's blessed. blessed. The person who's rich is not blessed. Blessed are the poor. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. He's saying those are the ones who will be happy, extremely happy. He says rejoice and be exceedingly glad when you are persecuted, when you are reviled, when you are despised by others. He says great is your reward in heaven. He taught us not to live by the current values of our society. If we look like the person next to us, and if the person next to us is not Christian, then we are not living Christian lives. This is how I can make a powerful witness today, the most powerful of all. The most powerful witness I can make today is to have a firm hope in the age to come and not in this age, and not in the leaders of this age, not in a new government, not in a new philosophy, not in a new way of life. I should be dressing and speaking and acting in such a dramatic way, in such a dramatically different way from the rest of society. 
so that people can't help but ask us, why do we do what we do? Why are we acting the way that we are acting? Why are we the way that we are? We are called to be Christians who walk on water. Yeah, we thought Christ was the only one who walked on water, but if you understand that walking on water is also a symbol for those who walk above the world, not dirty, not soiled, not tainted, definitely not drowned and killed by the waters of this world. It's the image of Noah's ark and how we are saved in the ark and we are saved from the floods of this world. We are called to walk on water and Christ has given us this ability to walk over it, not be affected by it. Why do we choose sometimes to drown? Why are we constantly allowing ourselves to be convinced that the rotten fruit of this world is of more value than the spiritual fruit that leads to life? We need to get to work because Christ will come and judge us, each and every one of us, according to what we have done. Not according to what is in our hearts, but according to what we have done. Not according to the theology that we've memorized, but according to what we have done. Not according to the hymns that we sing, but according to what we have done. Not according to the, memory, the Bible verses which we've memorized, but according to what we have done. We need to be inspired by the good news of Christ. We need to commit ourselves to the work of the church. We need to have confidence in the saving power of Christ in the church. And we need to invite others to take hold of it. What is, wor what is the worst thing that could happen to us if we invite our neighbor to church? We feel embarrassed? Isn't it embarrassing that our neighbors can invite us to parties and we go and we eat and we drink and we are merry, but we are cowardly in the face of those who need Christ and we fail to offer people a way out of all the misery of this life? The problem is not the church. The problem is that the gospel has yet to penetrate our hearts. We have yet to feel the joy of the gospel and that is why we are not concerned about sharing it with others. Please... Do not suggest that the church or that the gospel is separate at this point. We have to understand that the gospel was deposited in the church. And we have to work in our spiritual lives. The church is, has been here for 2,000 years. And we have the stories and the sayings of the saints who left everything and left this world in this world nothing but the life that they offered to God purely and perfectly. And we sing their praises and we follow their example. And we have to understand that they were all inspired by the gospel. And what they did, they did for the sake of the gospel and for the sake of God. Christ came, gave us this gospel so that we in turn could be inspired by it and we can share it with others. And he is coming again. And he will ask us to give him of the fruit. Kill the workers if you want, create a revolution, make a protest, ridicule leadership, cherry pick Bible verses, hide behind buying a cow and marrying a wife, as it was said in the parable. Think of whatever excuse you want. We will all not be able to avoid the reckoning and the judgment. So, the good news. Let us have a little faith in God. Let us have a little faith in the gospel. Let us have a little faith in the church and let us start by beginning to, to dive into this good news of salvation, to understand it completely, to place ourselves not in light of the world, but to place ourselves in the light of Christ. 
God in the end gives the increase when there is a crop. All we have to do is offer. All we have to do is try. All we have to do is roll up our sleeves. All we have to do is work in the little area of the kingdom that God has given to each of you. Each of us has been given a little area of the kingdom. Each of us has been given a little area that we are to work in. We are, as Christians, called to understand and accept the words of the gospel, to, after, to actively work for whatever is good and noble, to, to value not the current values of society, but to rise above them, not to simply reflect societal values, to be as good as everyone else. We are called to have a firm hope in the age to come. We are called to draw people, not through our words, but through our actions. We are called to be true Christians. And this is the message of today's gospel. It's not a message of ridiculing the, the vine dressers, but it's a call for us to examine ourselves as vine dressers, to examine each and every one of us, to examine the work that we have done for the sake of the gospel, to examine how much the gospel has changed us, how much it continues to change us. And I don't want you to feel bad. I don't want you to feel like we're lacking. All of this, and I, for those of you that don't know me, whenever I preach, I preach to myself first. And you guys just hear it. You guys are listening to it as I'm preaching to myself. But take what you can to heart. And take what you can and try as much as you can to do something new, something different. To allow God to work within you to say, Okay, as, as unworthy as I am, God use me today in some way, in some shape, in some form. Allow me to promote and to push the gospel a little bit further in this dark and miserable world that we are living in, let us find the joy and the light of Christ in the gospel and let us as quickly and as efficiently as possible share it with others so that God might be glorified. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Now and ever to the age of all ages. Amen.